0: I want to start off today by celebrating some great things of what I believe that God is doing among us. I I, I was thinking about it this week as I began to write and prepare for this Sunday, and uh, I thought, what word would I write down that everybody could understand? And the word that I wrote down was, wow, wow. Everybody say that with me, what? Wow. And did you know that that word, you can even say it backwards. If you think about it, it's the same thing. Wow, right? When I thought about that, I thought, wow, God has been moving mightily in our church at the Eden Campus and at the River Campus. And I thank God for that. We're one church, two locations. God has opened doors up for us to be able to expand and enlarge our territory. And thank God for that. It's been like a revival just in the last, Eight weeks, just in the last eight weeks. We've had four people join by letter and 14 people have prayed to receive Christ in the last eight weeks here <clears throat> for a For a total of 18 decisions that have been made, and I I say to God, to God be the glory, amen. God is on the move, praise his holy name. I preached a couple of weeks ago on the sermon title, Salvation, Man's Greatest Need and God's Greatest Gift. We talked about that a couple of Sundays ago, how that man is separated from God because of his sin. The Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. We all are guilty we all stand before God guilty, but thank God we realize that God has made a provision for us so that we can be reunited with him, not because of our sinfulness, but because of his righteousness. And the theme of salvation, you may wanna write this down, is summed up in four simple words. Write this down, the theme of salvation is summed up in four simple words. What is that, Brother Jackie? You must be born again. That's the words that ought to ring throughout our churches, that ought to ring throughout our pulpits, that ought to ring throughout our nation and through our world. You must be born again. Five simple words, sorry. You want to make sure that you write that down. Write it down. It's powerful. Let's say that together, everybody. What is it? You must be born again. Jesus, speaking to Nicodemus, made sure that nicodemus understood that you will not see the kingdom of god unless you're born again marvel not that i say unto you nicodemus you must be born again and the greatest answer to that reality is found in john chapter 3 verse 16. you don't happen to open your bible there yet but for god's so loved the world, that he did what? He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Can I get an amen? That is, God loves us so much, he made a way for us so that we could be bridge back to him through his love and the way you do that according to Romans chapter 10 verse 9 and 10 that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you will believe in your heart that God is raised from the dead thou shalt be saved and we're living in a world today to where we don't hear a lot of that Uh, you know we don't hear a lot of salvation messages we talked about that a couple of Sundays ago And then Dr. Nichols last Sunday, I want to say praise God for Dr. Nichols last Sunday, who came in and preached the message on the judgment seat of Christ, how that as believers we will all stand and we will give an account of our life before God at the judgment seat of Christ, what we've done with our life. And Dr. Nichols, by the way, I was watching online with that message and I made them scan to make sure that I, all of y'all were in attendance Sunday. I know everybody that didn't show up last Sunday, so I got your name, I'll be contacting you. But the fact of the matter is, Dr. Nichols brought a powerful, blazing message on the judgment seat of Christ, how that as believers we're gonna stand there. So today, I wanted to kind of bridge onto that, <clears throat> but before we do, I do wanna tell you that I'll be starting a new teaching series Uh, that's gonna be starting in a couple of weeks, and you don't wanna miss that, it's called Palm Tree Living. Uh, We're gonna dig into that, it's the abundant life in Christ, so uh, we'll be starting that new series coming up. But today, I wanted to bridge on to what we talked about the last couple of Sundays, and I really wanted the title to be a question that we all ought to ponder today, and that is this, the title of the message today is simply this, Once I'm saved, should I join a local church and be baptized? Once I'm saved, should I join a local church and be baptized? Let's all say the title again. Are you ready? Here we go. Once I'm saved, should I join the local church and be baptized? If you would take your copy of God's Word and open it up to the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, we're going to be looking there in just a moment. Chapter 10 of the book of Hebrews, the writer there is uh, speaking to the listeners and the readers about a certain subject. Uh, When you look at the book of Hebrews, the subject is the subject of faith. Whenever you study the book of Hebrews, you begin to realize that faith comes to the top of the list of everything that he's talking about. While you're turning there, it should come as no shock to you to tell you that we're living in a world that has minimized, are you listening to me say amen, it should come as no shock to you that we're living in a world today that has minimized the importance of church membership and church attendance. Uh, We're living in a world today where people don't consider that uh, to be as important as they used to. And uh, we're seeing the results of that, the loyalty, the commitment of uh, church membership and church attendance. And so church membership and church attendance should be an integral part of all of our lives. Church membership and church attendance should be a priority in the, our life as believers. Now, as you'll look at Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 25, are you there? Say amen. You'll, let's read that together. Let's say everybody read it out loud. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. Now, if you'll go back in the beginning of that verse, you'll begin to realize that the writer is not making a suggestion. The writer is giving a command. It's not a suggestion. It's not saying you are to think about this but he's saying you should not forsake the assembling of yourself together. And if you'll notice in the content of the of the of the application of the scripture, Hebrew is about a book about that, about faith, and salvation and baptism and church membership is all part of your faith journey. In other words, what he's giving you, and you may want to write this down, is basic instructions. Basic instruction. There seems to be a compelling urgency to the text that the writer has written down. It's it's almost as if you can see the intensity of the urgency that as he is led of the Holy Spirit of God to begin to write down the urgency from the Spirit of God to the people of God, whatever you do, Don't forsake the assembling of yourself together. Don't do that. In other words, make sure that you come together. And then notice the compelling urgency as he begins to close out that verse. He says, so much so, so much more as you see the day approaching Now, when we look at that scripture, we have to ask ourselves this question, what day is he talking about? Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm gonna tell you what day that is. He's talking about that day when the scripture, Skies will roll back as a scroll, and the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, the Trump of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first, and then we which are alive remain shall be called up together to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. The old folks of yesteryear used to call that the Great Getting Up Morning. Ladies and gentlemen, may I submit to you today that I believe that we're closer now than we've ever been to hear the trumpet sound. And I believe that we're closer now than we've ever been, that Christ is gonna come back. I believe that we're standing not in the last hour, but I believe that we're standing in the last seconds of time as we know it. I believe it won't be very long to where God the Father will lean over to God the Son and give the approval, son, go get your children. Ladies and gentlemen, Christ is coming back and he's coming back soon. Do you believe that? Can I give an amen? If you believe that, let's give him praise today. He is good and I thank God for that. Now the urgency, now the urgency of the scripture seems to indicate that from the moment that the writer wrote that down, it seems to indicate that from the moment he wrote that down, he's giving the compelling command that you ought to assemble yourselves together. But then he says, you ought to do it even more so as you see the day approaching. You ought to come together more often. You ought to be there more often as you see Christ coming back. Now, ladies and gentlemen, they believed that Christ was coming back the next day. But I believe that as we look around our world today that we certainly could understand that if it was an urgency in that day, it ought to be an even more urgency in the day that we live in today. Because when you look around you, there seems to be a certain indication that Christ is coming back soon. And notice the compelling urgency in the penmanship of the writer. Church attendance for the believer, for the believer is a duty. The idea is to assemble ourselves together and never to forsake the assembly together. We are to assemble together so that we can worship together, pray together, study God's Word together, minister together, fellowship together, and simply, we need each other. Can I get an amen? We need each other. You know how encouraging it is to come to church on Sunday morning, see all of y'all? You know how encouraging it is for my wife to drive to church with me? (coughs) <coughs> thinking my husband is going to preach a message and if nobody shows up, I'm going to have to listen to the whole thing by myself. <coughs> Do you know how encouraging it is for you to come in and me to see y'all's face and for y'all to come? and How many of y'all get encouraged by seeing your brothers and your sisters in church? Amen. I get encouraged by that. Somebody will say to me, well, Brother Jack, I was with you in spirit. Look at me. I don't like preaching the spirits. I like to see you. I want you here. It's important for you to come. Once even more assembling, as you see the day approaching, the big idea is that the day is approaching quickly. And isn't it strange to you that in the day when we see the the opportunity that our society, that that when you look at society, let me me rephrase this, this thought. Does it seem strange to you That in the day, when we see our society going further away from God, that the church is assembling less. Does that seem strange to you? Does it seem strange to you that more churches are assembling less than they are more frequently? Doing away with services? Doing away with night services? Doing away with Wednesday night services? Doing away with revivals? When we look at revivals, you used to have two-week-long revivals and everybody showed up and, man, the Spirit of God fell and things happened and lives changed. Then we went to one week and prayed somebody would show up. Then we went to three days <clears throat> of revival. And now very rarely do you hear about a revival. Did you know that when you think about this, we, we need to get serious about our commitment in being baptized and being a member of a church. So so let's look at point number one, are you with me? Say Here's point number one, a question. I wanna start off with a question today, and that is this. Would you read the question with me, everybody? What would the world look like without a church? Now now I want that to sink in to you a minute. Let's say the question again, everybody. What would the world look like without a church? Now, I want you to think about this. <clears throat> Let's just think about this. Let's think about our communities and our cities <clears throat> in the world that we live in today, and there's no churches. That everybody just decided, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to be faithful to my church. I'm not going to be faithful to attendance and ministering there. We all just decide to stay home and lock the doors, turn the lights out. And in our communities, there was no steeples. By the way, now the devil has convinced us all, just don't put anything up on your church biblical because you may offend somebody. I've got a word for that, hogwash. <clears throat> you know, we're trying to make it like the world, and we've lost our identity. And what we've got to realize is this. Think about this. What if you were driving around your community and every church just said, we're done. Every pastor quit. We just all locked the doors, sold our buildings, turned them into bar rooms, turned them into nightclubs, turned them into whatever. By the way, in Europe, they've done that. They've sold all their buildings and where the for the blazing gospel of the Lord Jesus used to be pronounced from the Holy sacred desk of God, great leaders of reformation that made proclamation and revival started to change the world in the great cathedrals of Europe. Now the doors are locked. And they've opened them back up and made them bars. And where people used to sit to hear the word of God, now they're sitting and drinking in the cathedrals, partying. No more declaration of the Word of God from the pulpits. The pulpit's been turned into a bar room. Think about about your communities. What would it be like if everybody just said, we're going to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And we just locked all the doors of all the churches. And there was no church buildings in the communities. There was no functioning ministries going on. And what would happen to your kids if there were no churches? Where would they get spiritual instruction? Where would they learn to honor and respect God? Where would they learn how to be respectful in a house of God? Ladies and gentlemen, what would the world look like without a church? No churches in your community? Well, let me tell you, are you listening? Say amen. That's happening. Now, I want you to listen to me. Current statistics say this. Current statistics say that over 4,000 churches are closing their door every year. Over 4,000 churches are walking away from their buildings every year. 4,000. Now people would say, well brother Jackie, there's churches that are starting. Yes, current statistics say, are you ready for this? That there's a 1,000 new churches starting every year. But there's 4,000 quitting. Does that, listen, all you gotta do is do the math. Your churches are dying. When I look here together, over half of churches, are you listening, did not add one new member last year. Over half of all the churches didn't add one new member last year. Not one new member. Did you know that in the Southern Baptist Convention, 60% of the churches in the Southern Baptist Convention didn't baptize one teenager last year. 60% of all Southern Baptist churches didn't baptize one single teenager. Most professing Christians enter the ranks of what's known as religiously unaffiliated. Now, what does that mean? (coughs) That means that according to the statistics of the world, that most people you talk to are just, they say if you say to them, well, are you a Christian, especially in North America, are you a Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian. But most of them are unaffiliated with the church. They don't go to church. And when I think about that, theres when I look at this, I want to say to you as a congregation that to God be the glory, Everywhere else might be shrinking, but God's growing our assembly. Can I give an amen? We're seeing souls saved and lives change. And great news on Facebook this week. And I'm not a Facebook guy, y'all. So, so you got to understand, for me to say this, it's got to be great news. Are you ready? This was on Facebook this week, Thursday of this week. Dr. Chris Crane visited Vacation Bible School at our River Campus. And this is what he wrote on Facebook. And I quote, are you listening? Thursday night, this is what he wrote. Tonight, I witnessed a miracle. A once closed church now renovated and filled up with children and committed volunteers leading vacation Bible school. Great job, River Campus. Spiritual leadership makes the difference, end of quote. Can we give God praise for that? What a great thing. What a great thing to think about, that here at our church, we have, we have God's open doors for us to open a church that was once locked up, not one soul there. And in a moment, I'm going to be leaving the Eden campus, headed to the River campus, and I'm going to be preaching to a group at the River campus, and I guarantee you there won't be a seat in the place today. You know what's going to happen when I get through preaching? Say what, Brother Jackie? The baptismal pool at the river campus is filled up and we will baptize people at the river campus today. To God be the glory for that. Can I get an closed, A once closed church now open and vibrant to the glory of God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God is good when I think about that. You know, when you think about that, point number two, the devil hates the church doesn't he? He don't want you to go to church. He don't want you to be faithful. <coughs> he he doesn't want you to be committed to that. He, he, don't want, he wants you to find everything wrong with it. He doesn't want you to fit in. He, he wants to do everything in his power to keep you from connecting. He doesn't want the church to stand out. Did you know, <clears throat> and I'm go, I wish I had time to just have a fit with this one, but we become so casual that we've lost our identity. Now, let me say that to you again. The churches of today have become so casual that they've lost their identity. What the devil wants to do is get the church to blend into its culture. Can I tell you this, my friend? God never called us to blend in our culture. He called us to change our culture. Yeah, that's right. And because of that, a church ought to be different than the world. When you walk into church, you ought to know you're walking into church, You're not walking into a party. You're walking into a church. You're not walking into something that resembles the world. You're walking into a place where God is there and people of God are there to worship the holy God of this universe. This place ought to be different. That's why, and I may be old fashioned and people may not like it and I'm cool with that. You'll only have to put up with me until I die. But listen, that's why we tell people, don't wear hats in church. Don't wear your ball cap in here. You know why? Because when you take it off, it's respect. It's respect to God. Man, when I was growing up, if if I wore a ball cap in a church, my mama would have decapitated me. You, You know that when you walk in here, this is different. You know that when you walk in here, you're not coming in here to play, cut up, distract. People say, Brother Jack, i will call you out. You bet your bottom dollar I will. You know why? Because we're not here for people to come in here and distract people. We're here for God to attract them. And the devil would love to distract. We're not here to, we're not here to do all the things the world does. We're here to dig in learn from God, respect Him, and honor Him. Can I get an amen? So so if you're looking for a place that, yeah, we have a lot of things to do. We got ball fields. We got all kind of things going on. You can wear your hat anywhere, but in here. Uh, We don't have drinks and popcorn in here. We don't do that. Why? This is God's house. When people walk in here, I want them to know that they're walking into something different. This is different. Can I get an amen? So when we look there, Satan hates the church. Now, let's look at point number three quickly. What does the word church mean? The ecclesia, the assembly of the called out ones. That, that's what the word church is. It means that <coughs> we have been called out as believers to be different from the world. As a matter of fact, in 1 Peter chapter 2, you'll see. Let's read this together. You are a chosen generation, a what? Royal priesthood, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness, called you into his marvelous light. Is there anybody in here know what that means to you? That one time you was in darkness, one time you was messed up, one time your life was falling apart, one time you was a basket case, one time you was on drugs, one time you was alcoholic. The devil should have killed you when he had you, but God called you out of that mess and put you in a different place and now you're a different person. Anybody here know what I'm talking about? Can we give God praise for that? That's what God does. We're called out of this world. We're to be called by the Spirit of God to be different. Thank God for a God that does that. Can I just do that again? Anybody in here have been called out of a mess and God has saved you out of that mess? Would you give him praise today? God is good. Can I give an amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. So we're called out. We're to be different, man. And we are, because we're called out, we're to show praises to him. Can I get an Amen. You know what? Sunday ought to be the happiest day in the life of a believer. That we get to go to church. We don't have to go to church. We get to go. We we don't have to do that. Me and my wife don't ever have this conversation. We got to go tomorrow. You know, when our kids was growing up, they never had to ask us this question. If your kids have to ask you this question, you're messing them up. If your kids ever have to look at you and ask this question, are we going to church today? You're messing them up. You know what? You need to eliminate that out of the out of the questions of your family. <clears throat> you should, your kids should never ask you, are we going to church? If there was a Sunday where you couldn't make it, your kids ought to be looking at you and asking this question Why ain't we going today? Can I get an amen? What, Man, something must terrible happen, Brother Benny. Why ain't we going today? My gosh, are y'all, are y'all getting a divorce or something? What's happening here? Because, listen, it should never be a question. You know this, are y'all, boy, I wish I had time. Good night. If I wasn't coughing, I'd preach my head off. <coughs> when you crank your car up on Sunday morning, everybody say, when I crank my car on Sunday morning, and I put my car in reverse or drive and I pull out of my driveway. You know what it says to everybody in your community? My family still believes in God. My family has made our relationship with Christ a priority. And all them other heathens in your community that's watching you do that every Sunday, they're going, man, they're going to church. They're going to church. They're going to church. church." Let me ask you a question. Is that a bad testimony? No, it's a great testimony. So every time you pull out of your your car out of your driveway, you're saying to all your friends, all your neighbors, my family still believes in God, and you're saying what Joshua said, I don't know what all y'all are going to do in this community, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve our God. That's what it says. Sometimes you've had a rough week, and you don't feel like pulling out. Sometimes you're tired you don't feel like going. Let me tell you something. If you'll come anyway, you'll feel better when you leave. Can I give an amen? The church, number four, is the visible manifestation of the body of Christ on earth. <coughs> you know, when you think about it, when y'all come together on Sunday morning and the world looks at y'all, they're seeing a manifestation of Christ on the earth. Little pockets of Jesus everywhere. Colossians 1.24 says these words, Who now rejoice in my suffering for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. Go back and put that point back on the, on the screen because I see people still trying to figure blanks out. Just <coughs> go back and put that back on the screen. Because I'm just going to kind of marinate there a minute with that. You see, the church, the church, not forward, back. The church is the visible manifestation of Christ on this earth. And what a powerful manifestation that is. Well, Well, let's go on then. Write this next part down. Every Christian is part of the body of Christ. How many Christians? Every Christian is part of the body of Christ. Write that down. Go to the next thing, y'all. Every Christian is part of the church. If you're a Christian, you're part of the church. You're part of the body of Christ. You're part of the church. You know, people will say to me, I don't know where I fit in. Well, you do fit in because you're part of the body of Christ. And then write the next thing down because it's powerful. You cannot say yes to Jesus and no to the church. You can't, it just don't work. People go, well, I want Jesus, but I want the church. It don't work that way. You can't have Jesus and not have the church. And by the way, the church is not perfect. You know why? Because made up folks like me and you. And we're going to blow it every now and then. And we're going to mess it up. But here's the point. You can't say yes to Jesus and know the church because you know what? The church is his body. And the church number five is designed to grow and go. Designed to grow and go. And that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to grow and mature and just dig in and get muscle on our spiritual bones, and we are designed to grow and go. Matthew 16, 18 says these words, if you'll just put them on the screen. It says, and I say also unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock, I will what? Build my church. And say this with me, everybody. The gates of hell will not prevail. Can I get an amen? Amen. The church is not gonna lose, y'all. The church is not gonna lose. Then look at Acts 2, 47. Praising God, having favor with all the people and and going from house to house. And that's what God does with the church. The Lord added to the church daily as he saw fit should be saved. God's growing the church. And then we look at Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Let's all read this together. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, In the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Ghost, amen. What are we supposed to be doing, y'all? We're supposed to be growing and what? Going. We're supposed to be growing and going. That's what we do. We're supposed to be growing together. People go, well, you know, uh, Brother Jackie, how's it going to church? And by the way, all the preachers have this conversation all the time. They're asking, how many do you have in church Sunday? And you know what, what that means is, how I many was there? And you know what? <clears throat> People go, well, does numbers matter? Yeah, they do. You know, if, if, if numbers wasn't important, then God wouldn't have put it in the Bible. There's a book called Numbers in the Bible. But listen to me. If I count right here on this front row, are y'all, can y'all see the front row? All right, now look here. Let's, let's count the front row together. Y'all win? One. Two, three, four. How many of y'all would like to see six on the front row next Sunday? Anybody in here would like to see six on the front row? By the way, I'm proud of y'all sitting on the front row. Nobody ever sits on the front row. How many of you would like to see more, two more people come to Christ because these four are here this Sunday. God changes their life. They, they go and they reach two more. They give their heart to Jesus. Next Sunday, how many of y'all like to see that? <clears throat> well, you know what? Four plus two is six. Plus two more is eight. Plus two more is 10. Plus two more is 12. Plus 50 more is whatever. 100 more is a How many of y'all know we ought to be reaching people for Jesus? And if you reach people for Jesus, you don't decline, you, in, you increase. And that's what God wants to do. Okay. Let's look at point number six real quickly. (coughs) And that is this. Read this part with me. Every Christian should find a local assembly and make it their church home. How many Christians? Every Christian. Every Christian ought to find a local assembly (coughs) and make it their church home. Now, let me tell you a little bit about that. You say, well, Brother Jay, why, why do you think that's important? Well, when you read your Bible, that's what they did. Uh, now, let's look here. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God, and Synophys, our brother, watch this, unto the church. church of God, where at? In Corinth. All right, now the next verse. The next verse in 2 Corinthians says these words in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, go to the, unto the church of God which is at Corinth. Okay, let's look at Galatians. Galatians chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by men, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead in the next verse, and the brethren which are with me unto the churches of what Galatia, all right. And then First Thessalonians, Paul and Silas and Timothy unto the church of the next part of that verse Thessalonians. So when you look there together, you begin to realize that when Paul is writing the letters, the the, the, the letters to the churches, he's writing a church to a church in Corinth. He writes a church to a, a letter to a church in Philippi. He writes a letter to a church in Galatia. He writes a letter to a church in Thessalonica. You know what that means, y'all? There were churches in that city. There were local believers that made up churches. People go, well, it doesn't matter. Yes, it does. Because Paul would now would say, well, I'm going to write a letter to the church of, of Pell City in Eden. Why? That would be us. You see, when you think about it, Every Christian found a local church and they became part of that church. And that's the biblical model. Now let me give you a couple things to write down. A Christian without a church home is like a homeless person on the street. They they just don't have a place to call home. (coughs) Here at Eden Westside, we want you to call this your home. We want this to be a special place for you, a place that you're proud to go, that's my church home. Every Christian should be a member of a local church. You you ought you ought to find that place and go, this is, call it home. This is my church home, this is my local church where you get up every Sunday morning, you put your car in drive and you go to church, to your place. Every Christian should identify their spiritual gift and serve in the church. Can you imagine what would happen here if all 2,400 members showed up? Can you imagine what would happen if all 24 members found out what their spiritual gift was and just served God? What kind of church would that be? Wow, we wouldn't be begging for help in our nursery or our children's department or our student department and all the other places we would have people lined up to go man i can't wait to serve god in my church how exciting would that be and then every christian should be faithful in attendance to the church you know you you need to be faithful it's part of your life it's part of who you are you need to come and be a part of what god's doing and be faithful to it. You know, I, I just think that that's important. And then every Christian should tithe and support the church. You, you, ought, to, you ought to support the ministries of the church. <coughs> it's part of who we are. And every Christian should protect the church. You know, there, there's, you, you've got a big responsibility How many of y'all believe there's nothing in the world the devil would like more than destroy this place? You know, and he'll do anything he can to make that happen. We have to make sure that we protect the assembly of our church, uh, what God is doing and how that we're there. And then, number seven, quickly, the privilege to attend church was given to you because of the shed blood of Jesus. Now, don't, don't move that screen. Don't move that screen. Let's read that together, the, the, everything out loud. The privilege to attend church was given to you because of the shed blood of Jesus. What's the second word there? Come on now, let me hear you. What? Privilege. Do y'all know that people in America are spoiled? We don't realize how, how, what a privilege it is to go to church on Sunday. Do you know there's people all over the world today that don't have this privilege? There's people all over the world today that, that if they, they have to sneak around to go to church, you know why? Because if they get caught, they'll be martyred, they'll be killed. There, there's people all over the world today that would give anything in their, in their life To be able to go to church and not be free and not have to worry about opposition and their lives. And it's a privilege to go to church. This coming week, I'll be in the land of Haiti. And it's the poorest third world country in the world. And those people don't have anything. They don't have anything. They're poor. They don't have cars to drive. They don't have... They don't have have what we have. And, and, you know, when I get there Tuesday and we start the preaching crusade on Thursday, there won't be a seat in the place. There won't be an empty seat in the place. It won't be padded pews, it'll be solid wood uh, with just nothings. (coughs) There won't be any air conditioning. Uh, there'll be a couple of old light bulbs strung down. They won't have the sophisticated sound system, but you won't be able to get in the building. And there will be hundreds of people, are you listening? There will be hundreds of people standing outside the building on the grounds just to try to hear the word of God. They will walk for miles to come to church. And I'm going to tell you what else about them. They don't have fancy clothes like we have. <coughs> but I can tell you this. When they show up, they're going to be dressed with the best that they've got. They're going to come to church with the best they got. And they're going to try to, going to, try to do everything they can do with what they got. They're going to wear their Sunday best. Last year when I was there preaching the crusade, there was a choir that showed up, and man, they were, they were all decked out with the best they had. And I was on the stage, and there was all the choir on the stage, and I looked down at their shoes. And I just wept as I looked at their shoes. Because their shoes, even though they had polished up the best clothes they had, their shoes was covered with dust. Just dusty. No, no, just, just dusty. And the bottom of their trousers were dusty. You know why they were dusty? Because they walked for miles to church. For miles. Just to get in the house of God, just to count it a privilege to go to church. Takes me about two months to get over my mad when I get back. Because I think, God, we got the best there is to offer. And a lot of our church members, you can't even beg them to be faithful. But yet those people walk, they go, oh, it's a privilege to go to church. And the book of Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, it says these words. As you look there, it, it tells us something that is powerful in Acts chapter 20 and verse 28. If you'll just look there with me, and I'll read it out of the Bible because obviously there's something wrong with that. But I want you to see the book of Acts chapter 20 uh, 20 and verse number 28. It's powerful how God's word speaks to our heart. And what the writer gives us is an indication of being privileged to go to church and see what God's doing. It says, take heed therefore yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God which he has purchased with his own blood do you know listen to me y'all adam come on just you you know what it cost god for us to be able to come to church do y'all know what it do you ever think about that Do you ever think wow i get to go to church today and the reason i get to go to church is because jesus died on the cross for me it cost god his son's blood to go to church. Now I'm going to give you a couple of things that I believe that you need to write down. This is going to be fast. How do I become a member of this church? This local church, how do I do that? (coughs) Well, number one, you got to know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. That's the first requirement, you gotta come to know Jesus as your Savior. Let me ask you a question. Do you know him as your Savior today? Have you ever opened your heart and invited Christ into your life? Has he ever changed you? If you've never asked Jesus into your heart, in just a moment we're gonna give an invitation and we're gonna invite people to come and say, Brother Jack, I want to invite Jesus in my heart. When you do that, you're immediately part of the church. Then number two, you must be baptized by immersion. Now, I know there's a lot of churches that don't do that, but baptism is a symbol of your new life in Christ. You you need to be baptized. You would go to a, a class, and we would teach you that. (coughs) what does all that mean? But if you've never been baptized, you need to do that. Now remember this, it's always in order, you get saved and then you get baptized. A lot of people got baptized and didn't even know what salvation was. That may be you. You may have been a little kid when you was five years old and the preacher said, why don't you come down front? And you decided you was going to do that. But you didn't know what that meant. You know, if you, if you got baptized, but you're not saved, all you did was get wet. That's all you did. You need to have it in order. Get saved, then be baptized. And then thirdly, you can become a member by transfer of letter. <coughs> now, there's a lot of people that don't understand that. What does that mean? Well, it just means that if you was a member of another church, and you're a member there and you want to assemble here, you would just come down and say, hey, I want to transfer by letter. And uh, that we would take care of all that. People, a lot of people today don't understand that. That just means that we would get in touch with the other church, let them know that you've joined here and that, that information would be given to us about you as far as your official membership. So you could come and say, I've been saved, I've been baptized, but I want to transfer my membership to Eden Westside, and we would take care of that. Or you could come in by statement. You know, the transfer of letter, a lot of times is by a church of like denomination. In other words, you come from a Baptist church to a Baptist church. But let's just say that you were a member of a non-Baptist church, but yet you've been saved and you've been baptized. Then, you would come in by statement, by saying, hey, I have been saved and I have been baptized. I know Christ, I've been baptized by mercy. I'd like to be a member of this church. We would take that as your statement and then you would come in and be a part of the family of God here at Eden Westside. But I want to give you a bottom line today. The bottom line is this. Church membership is a, say it, commitment. That's what it is. It's making a commitment. <coughs> It's saying, I want to commit to serve God in this church. By the way, just so you'll know, I would join here if I wasn't a member today. i just go, that's why I want to be a member. Uh, Me and my wife would walk down the aisle today and we'd say, we want to be a member of Eden Westside. We did that 31 years ago. It would be an honor. It would be an honor today when I give this invitation that some of you would say, you know what, Brother Jack, I need to do that. I need to give my life to Christ, I need to be baptized, and I need to be a member of the church. It would be an honor for some of you, for us to have you as part of our local church family. Now there's a million options out there. There's a lot of choices you can make. We're not the only church that does it good or right. There's a lot of churches that do good things, but I would encourage you to find you a church home where you could really call it home and you could get involved and you could serve.